Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Morning, morning. How's everyone doing? It is good to be with you today. I'm excited uh, for today as we finish up this series called The Pathway. Uh, during this series, we've rolled out our discipleship pathway. If you haven't made it online onto our website, you just go on our homepage, scroll down. Just I think it's the first banner. It says Discipleship Pathway. And we would love for you to just check things out there. And the whole discipleship pathway, it exists to really be a roadmap for each and every one of us to take a next step in our journey with Jesus. So let's say you lead someone to Christ and you like, what do I do now? Or how do I help them grow next? And this is what the discipleship pathway is there for. And for every single one of us, for those who would say, I'm not yet a follower of Christ, to those who would say, hey, I've been following Jesus for, for 40 years. Well, now, uh, where do I go from here? And, uh, and so that's what it's there for. Uh, I, 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 let me review a little bit, just kind of like when, when we talk about this whole journey, I've often described it, every week I'm describing it this way, as this faith journey. If, if you imagine it, kind of like this spectrum of faith. And so over here, we've got it's not you guys. I just have to just clarify. Uh, but way on this side would be someone who's like as far from God as possible, okay? And then way on this side would be someone who's uh, following Jesus and is maybe growing in it, or is growing and is mature in their faith. And somewhere right here in the middle is actually the cross. It's this moment when someone deals with their, their own faith journey where, where they deal with the cross and they go, Jesus, uh, this is what Jesus did for me at the cross. And is, is this going to be personalized for myself at, at this point? my life. And so at, at this point, it's not like once I say yes to Jesus, it's all over. You've got this actually massive end of the spectrum of, of continued growth. And, uh, and so what we've done is we've broken it down like even on the other side of giving your life to Christ, you might have this infant stage, then a child stage, then a young adult stage, and then a parent stage. And uh, if, if I just do a little bit of review, for those who are not yet followers of Christ, we've talked about how even someone who's maybe really far from God to someone who's maybe a seeker, how you might treat that person differently, but what they need is they need people to live like Jesus in front of them, uh, to love Jesus in a close relationship with that individual. And then we continually, what we do is we uh, spread seeds of the gospel, which is just telling people about who Jesus is and what he's done in our own, our own life, and then pray for their heart. That's what you're doing for someone who's in kind of the stage one of it as a not yet follower of Christ. For the person who's an infant, if you were with us last week, we talked about at the infant stage, the, the big thing that would kind of summarize what they need is uh, they need a ton of care and nurturing at that season and at that stage uh, of their journey. Um, they don't know what they don't know. Just like babies, you don't get mad at them when they're crying or when they're not uh, handling things right. As as a spiritual infant, sometimes uh, we, we make just silly decisions or we just don't yet know what we don't know. And so we need to learn how to read scripture, how to pray. Everything's new and we're growing at that point. Then we have this next stage, which is like the spiritual child. The spiritual child is starting to, uh, like with my kids, you ever see this when, uh, if you haven't seen someone else's kids in a period of time and all of a sudden you you run into them, you're like, oh my word, they've grown so much. That's what often is happening as a spiritual child as well, is people start growing actually significantly and they're growing quickly and we're seeing change. But here's the thing you have to beware of at this stage is actually uh, their own kind of inward 
me and uh, my preference focus that's kind of uh, surrounded during that stage. In fact, if you want to grow past this stage as a spiritual child, you're going to have to grow past uh, your personal preferences and realizing that it's not all about what I want and uh, me and my preferences, but what he wants and him and his preferences and aligning our hearts with him. And now today, we're going to be covering really stage four and five. Stage four is the spiritual young adult. Now let me read a verse to you. First John chapter two, John's writing, and he addresses actually men and young, young men in this. He says this, I'm writing to fathers because you know him, he's talking about God, who's from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. Next verse, he says this second half of it. He kind of repeats himself. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. Now, while he is literally, yes, writing to young men, there's something that you see captured right here in these words that actually describe the attitude in the heart of young adults. And it's this. They are risk takers. They are strong. They are vigorous. They are uh, people of action. I, I've talked to plenty of, of people in their lives, some who get older, and they're like, it's a good thing you have kids when you're young and not when you're older. <laughs> Can I hear an amen from anyone on that? Because there is something about young adults that they can just handle it. They have this crazy amount of bandwidth and energy and ability to handle life and everything that gets thrown at them during that season of, of time. And it's, uh, and it's just young adults have this, it's kind of what's wired into them is this, uh, this kind of strong and vigorous uh, attitude. But they are, they're risk takers. They, they're people of action. In 2014, uh, in China, there was the Umbrella Revolution. You should look it up if you haven't, uh, if you're unaware. But Hong Kong basically shut down for two months, and it was a revolution run entirely on the backs and the, really the movement of young adults. They're saying, we want to see change here. Here, if I could read some attributes to you of the spiritual attributes of a spiritual young adult. Here's what is starting to happen in their life. They're making the shift from being self-centered to being God and others centered. They're reorienting their lives around the word of God and his people and his mission. They understand the importance of giving to the body of Christ rather than simply taking. They're involved in ministering and serving others. And now they're serving for the right reasons because of what Jesus has done for them. Even when people fail and P.S. People will fail. They will. They'll persist because Jesus has never failed them. They see God uh, has created them for a purpose and their priorities start to change around God's purposes versus their purposes. As they grow more secure in Christ, they tend to grow less judgmental and find it easier to overlook people's faults. They're learning to focus their skills and their passions to God's kingdom purposes. If you want to have a little homework assignment this week, uh, go read Luke chapter 9. This is, we're going to actually do kind of a flyby, a 50,000 foot view of Luke chapter 9 really fast right now. And Luke chapter 9 is probably one of the greatest pictures of scripture where we see the disciples starting to kind of practice this, I would call this spiritual season as spiritual young adults, okay? So because during this chapter, they're going to take risks, they're going to try things, they're going to fail, they're going to be corrected by Jesus. We see it all play out and it's really fun actually and it's kind of a 
It's a fun and funny chapter in some ways. And so let me just kind of do a 50,000-foot flyby of Luke chapter 9 as the disciples are really learning as young adults. And I think you'll start to see, oh, yeah, these are the attributes of a spiritual young adult. So in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, it's it's as Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. And so this is how it starts. Luke chapter 9. Verse 1, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so as he sends them on out, that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to cast out demons, they're going to heal the sick, they're going to pro- proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand, and they're going to be fired up and excited as God starts to now use them. It's everything that they've seen Jesus do, now they're going to start to do it. And there's something that's really exciting about not just watching someone else do something, but now you actually doing it as well. That leads really to the next set of verses, uh, verses 10 through 17, which will lead to the feeding of the 5,000. Now, what heads into the feeding of the 5,000 is this verse, verse 10. Check this out, what happens. When the apostles returned after being away, they're traveling, they're performing all these miracles. They reported to Jesus what they had done, and they are fired up, okay? Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. Now, here's why this is important. Sometimes we go, oh, people are following Jesus because of Jesus, Now, it is true. He's an amazing teacher. He was doing amazing things. But in this case, the crowds are following not just because of Jesus, but because of his disciples. See, the disciples now have gone on out, and they are making such a huge impact everywhere they're going that everyone now is coming. So the feeding of the 5,000 is not just singularly a result of what Jesus did. It's a result of what Jesus plus his disciples did. See, the feeding of the 5,000 is a result of how well the disciples started to live in this place as spiritual young adults. They're practicing all these things, and so now the crowds are coming. Verse 12 through 13, Jesus is going to look to the disciples, and he's going to say, hey guys, massive crowd here. You guys should feed these guys. So Jesus is going to say. Now, talk about like putting everything to the test, right? But they're like, ah, they're going to feel overwhelmed. They're going to be saying, like, that would take six months of wages to feed this many people. So Jesus is going to go, okay, let, let me do a little hand-holding for you during, in, in this miracle, okay? And so notice what happens, verse 16. Check it out. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Okay, so what happens here? He had said to them, you guys feed them. They're a little overwhelmed, but he's like, okay, this is still training time. So he's going to give it now to them, and they're going to distribute, and they're going to collect all the leftovers. And the whole point is that Jesus is like, he, he is being so serious right now about saying, I want you guys to grow in all of these abilities to perform all these miracles. I want you to step into all this, to the full identity of what I'm actually giving you, the power and the authority that I'm giving you. Because this season, it's all about activation. It's about trial and error. It's about risk-taking. It's about learning. And they really do it all. And now in the next set of verses, Jesus is actually going to go up on a mountain. Transfiguration is going to happen. But then afterward, Jesus is going to come off of the mountain, and he's going to come to kind of a bizarre scene. There's going to be this father who has a demon-possessed son and a crowd of people and a bunch of disciples, and they're all kind of running up to Jesus. And uh, they were trying 
this father who's trying to have the disciples cast this demon out. Notice what it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 40. The father says, I begged your disciples to drive it out, the demon out, but they could not. Now, here's what this tells me. Because they could not, it tells me they tried. And that's the point. The point is, these guys gave it a go. Yeah, they failed, but they tried. And then in Matthew and in Mark, uh, both those accounts of the Gospels, uh, it will record actually Jesus doing a little bit additional teaching, saying, guys, here's, uh, here's why you failed. Because this whole season is about trial and error, about activation, and about just going for it. And I don't know if you've ever felt like, man, I just want to go for it in my faith. Then guess what? You might just be on the brink of being a spiritual young adult or you might be in that season of being a spiritual young adult. When you're just like, I just want to make a difference. This is probably the season that you're in. And um, so then I, I, love, I love the next, I really love how the chapter ends. It's really because it's absolutely hilarious, okay? Because they've seen all these amazing things happen. They've, they've been like amazingly successful at casting out demons and performing miracles. Uh, They feed the 5,000. They see Jesus transfigured in front of them, which is like seeing him in his full glory. Uh, Then they have some failures. And then immediately, which is kind of funny, that right after they had this failure and they couldn't uh, cast out the demon, the next set of verses tell us they're starting to argue about who's the best. Isn't that kind of ironic? We just failed. But I think I'm awesome, you know? And that's exactly what happens. Verse 46 through 50, they start to argue about who's the greatest of all of them, which is kind of comical, uh, that they're seeing all these amazing things, but they're kind of misdirected in like thinking it's all about them. Then in verse like, uh, I think it's 53 and 54, it's really hilarious. They're telling on other people who are casting out demons who are not them. They're like, hey, Jesus, there's these other guys and they're casting, out, they're casting out demons in your name, but it's not us. And Jesus is like, chill out, guys. It's okay. If they're, if they're not against us, they're for us. And, and, but it's, it's kind of like, guys, you don't have the monopoly on being used by me and for my purposes. And then how the, verse, how the, the chapter ends is just a riot. It's verse uh, 51 through 56. They're on their way to Jerusalem. And James and John are just going to make one of the silliest suggestions ever. As they're approaching a Samaritan village, notice what, what happens in verse 53. The people there, this is the Samaritans, they did not welcome Jesus. It's because he's passing through. He, they actually wanted him to stay longer, but he's not. And because he was heading to Jerusalem, he's just going through. So when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them. Can't you just feel the love? I just think this is, I don't know why. I just think this is one of the silliest and funniest passages in all of scripture. Now, and Jesus, of course, is going to rebuke the guys and say, knock it off. But here's the thing that I love about this, okay? He says, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Now, would anyone disagree with me that that's great faith? Like if anybody here was able to like call down fire from heaven, I'd be like, watch out, that person has great faith, right? We would all be like, that's amazing. But so, oh, put it back on up there. So we've got this great faith, Lord, can we call down fire from heaven? But then notice what it's toward, to destroy them, right? Great faith, misdirected purpose, right? But this is actually, this is the epitome of a spiritual young adult. 
A lot of times they have great faith. They are people of action with misdirected purpose. And what they need in this moment is they need spiritual mentors and those who are spiritually mature to be able to say, I see your great faith, but let me redirect that thing so that now it's in line with God's heart and God's purposes. Because sometimes we can have great faith with misdirected uh, purposes in in our lives. And they just need to be, uh, they need to regularly ask, is this my heart's desire or is this actually God's heart's desire? Because the disciples it's just great faith, just misdirected purpose. Sometimes great faith, great intentions, misdirected purpose. And um, what they need is they need people in their life who will help redirect them, who will help them actually be able to practice, try, do trial and error without being like totally beat up in the process, but actually encouraged as they make tries, as they make mistakes. If I could encourage you, if you are in this season to do two things, it would be this. One, hop on the discipleship pathway. We've got some very practical tools and steps that you can take and learn and grow if you're in that season. Second thing would be this, get into an impact community. And here's why. Because an impact community is it's probably one of the greatest places where you are going to actually now put your faith in action. You're, you're going to be life on life with other people. Opportunity to try things, test things, and, uh, and to take risks. And that's awesome. I wanted to show you uh, a little video of an impact community that's having a huge impact right here in our area. Go ahead and check it out. So my name is Alan Babe, I'm fire chief for the city of Burlington. I get to work with the best people in the world, right? They're here to provide a val- very valuable service And one of my goals to accomplish was to bring an opportunity for them to have God within the organization and to understand what that means and the outreach that that can provide. The Impact uh, community comes to the fire department monthly for our meetings and they've been outstanding, showing their love, showing their support, and with the opening prayers that we do before our monthly general meetings, I think the membership really understands that they're there for that reason, right? That people go, you know what? I want to go talk to Steve or Kathy or Sharon or John or Pilar and Alex. They've been nice to me. I think I can can approach them. If there's one person that connects with one of my members because they're, 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 they're having a hard time in life, whether it's the stress from the pandemic, stress from just life in general, stress from kids that are challenging, right? And they make that that connection and it helps them get through that event. This impact community did its job. It might not work for the other 62 people within the group, but if it helps that one person, that's that's what's important. It's not a it's not fake, it's not phony. It's true giving. community is just rocking it. Way to go, guys. I just, I love it because Impact Community is just one of the greatest places, especially if you are entering into this stage or this season as a spiritual young adult. Just try. 
to put your faith in action. In fact, as you leave here today, if you're in person, you're going to get one of these. It's a list of all of our impact communities that are currently making impacts all over our county as well as uh, around even outside of our county. Uh, if you're online, there will be a link that will be dropped to this entire list of impact communities. But we would love for you to take a step and uh, put your faith in action. If you want to make a difference and start making a difference in, in someone else's life besides yourself, because this is the key here, the spiritual young adult, they start shifting and they say, I'm going to start serving other people now because of all that the Lord has done for me. And we become others oriented versus ourselves oriented. Uh, Final stage, okay? Final stage is this as a spiritual parent. Now, I say spiritual parent, not spiritual adult. And here's the big difference because Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples in all, throughout all the world, in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've taught you, and lo, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. Notice what he said, go and make. So the difference between a spiritual adult and spiritual parent is parent is making someone else. A parent, the thing that makes a parent a parent is they are reproducing. And I don't know if you know this, but if you're a follower of Christ, you are meant to reproduce other followers of Christ. That is your call. That is the early, that's the very first mandate. The Lord gave his disciples, go and make more followers of Christ. Go and tell the gospel everywhere you go. You're going to be my witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. And we are a part of this family of followers of Jesus Christ that is making more followers of Christ to the ends of the earth and proclaiming the good news everywhere we go. But we're called to be spiritual parents, which raise others up spiritually. If I could read off just a list for you of some of the attributes of uh, a spiritual parent, it would be this. They have a solid understanding of the word of God, a deep relationship with God, and a desire to be involved in raising uh, other followers of Jesus. They live out God's word in their lives daily. They're kingdom-centered and God-dependent. They're not perfect. Let me say that again. That just felt good to say. They're not perfect. <laughs> They're not. Just like every parent's not perfect. Parents, I, I apologize to my kids when I make mistakes. And if you're a parent, you've probably made mistakes as a parent. And, you, and you're still learning. You're in that process. Like that's, that's a part of life is that there's still, you're, we're, not parent, we're not perfect. And, uh, but the difference is this. Parents rise above the situations that they find themselves in. They have a calm and collected demeanor as they head through it. Like if you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you get a flat tire, your kids might start to cry in the back. The parent doesn't pull off off to the side of the road, get out, fall on the ground, start kicking and screaming and going, ah, I can't, you know, like that wouldn't happen, right? What does the parent do? The parent is the one who calls for help or figures out the situation and says to the kids, it'll be okay, we're going to make it through it. And then the same thing spiritually. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have any problems along the way. It's just that when hurdles come, you're the one who's going, guys, we're okay. We're going to make it through this. I, I'm so anchored in who God is and who he says we are and who I am that we got this. We're going to be okay. That's how a spiritual parent approaches things. 
Uh, they feed on the word of God so that they have something to give to other people that they are parenting. They typically can identify where others are on their spiritual journey. They know where that person needs to go, what that person needs, and how to get them there. Uh, once again, the, spirit, the, the discipleship pathway should be one of the greatest tools that you can utilize if you're a spiritual parent to help other people grow. To say, oh, I see you right now. I think you're in this stage. And so how about you go through these eight steps steps in the stage, and I'll meet with you weekly, and we'll just kind of talk that through and see what you're learning. Um, they understand they never outgrow the need for a spiritual family. Let me say it again. They recognize that, they never, that they'll never outgrow the need for a spiritual family. Let me say it again. They're going to realize that they can never outgrow the need for a spiritual family, no matter how messed up and broken the church is, and it will be because it's made up of broken people. We recognize that we are made for relationship with one another, and they're committed to it in, the, in spite of its imperfections. church is made up of imperfect people that you will always need. They are. I'm so grateful for the local church. I am. They're always still learning how to be parents. Why am I getting teary? So they themselves uh, still need help and encouragement as they make mistakes. And you'll make mistakes, and that's okay. Keep going for it. Keep learning. You're going to need grace. Let me just uh, read a couple of verses to you. So this is one of the sweetest places that we see the disciples step into this spiritual stage as spiritual parents. Acts chapter 3. Okay, so this is right after Jesus has died on the cross. He's raised from the dead. He ascends to heaven. He says to his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you in power. In Acts chapter 2, we see that play out. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit lands on them, and they go on out, and they just start speaking in tongues, different languages. They start proclaiming the gospel. In Acts chapter 3, you see uh, Peter and John. They're walking into Jerusalem. And as they pass by this guy who's crippled and left by the side of the road, which is what they would often do in that day and age. If you actually, that's how you would care for someone who is in that type of season of their, or that state of their life, is that your friends would take you and they'd drop you at the city gate to beg all day. That was kind of your life. And so his friends for years are taking him every single morning. They drop him off at the gate in the morning, pick him up and bring him home at night. So Peter and John are walking past this guy and he's begging and they, they, they make this statement. It's probably a statement you've heard before. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I'll give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And so they heal this guy and he gets up walking. And all of a sudden, news of it starts going all throughout Jerusalem. And everyone starts coming to Peter and John. And they're just like being swarmed by the masses. And now check out how they respond to the masses in Acts chapter 3 verse 12. When Peter saw this, all the crowds are coming. He said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. And then he's going to go on and the rest of his speech is going to be point all glory to Jesus. Now talk about how the tune has changed, right? Luke chapter nine, at the end of doing anything great, these guys start doing what? 
think I'm the greatest in the kingdom of God. Nah, I'm the greatest. They're always arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. Now, as soon as they've made it to this stage, as a spiritual parent, God uses them in powerful ways and notice their, their response. Why in the world would you stare at us as if it had anything to do with us? Right? What happened? Their hearts and their minds have so aligned with the, with who God is, what he's empowered them to do, that one of the, the, the marks of a spiritual parent is that they recognize anything of the kingdom of God that comes out of them is not because you're great, it's because of his grace. It has nothing to do with how great you are. It has everything to do with how great he is and the grace that he's landed upon your life. Acts chapter 4, basically the religious leaders are going to see all the crowds going to these guys. They're freaking out because the religious leaders want everyone to come to them and pay attention to them. So they have these guys arrested and thrown in jail overnight. The following morning, they're basically giving an account to the religious leaders. They're kind of giving a speech. And in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, check out how this speech ends and then the, the religious leader's final statement. Their, their speech ends with this, salvation is found in no one else. Not in me, Peter, not in John, not in one of the other disciples, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And they're saying it's by Jesus and Jesus alone. Then notice how the religious leaders respond. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Verse 13 there is, it, it's the capstone of the story here. That they, they saw the courage of Peter and John. They realized they're unschooled, ordinary men, and they're astonished. They took note that these guys had been with Jesus. If there's anything that you should take out of all this, it's this thing. You don't have to be well-schooled. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be the best. You want to know what you have to be? With Jesus. That's what you need. It's... It, If you want to be an ordinary person used in extraordinary ways, the only thing that you need to do is hang out with him. It's hang out with Jesus. If you think for a moment that it has something to do with uh, having enough schooling, having enough skills, having enough head knowledge or any of that, that's not it. It's God is going to give you courage. He's going to give you the words to say. And at the end of the day, you're just going to be like, I've just been hanging out with him. That, that's it. It's for ordinary people who have been with Jesus. At the beginning of the stage, I said it's not spiritual adult. It's a spiritual parent. I think one of the things that I'm afraid of that has happened, not necessarily here at Lakeland, but in the greater church in America as a whole, is I think we actually have a lot of spiritual adults. We've got a lot of people who are spiritually mature. They're just not reproducing. They're living in holy huddles right now, holding out for the day that Jesus would return. I've got my bag here, and I'm going to pull this on out for a minute here. Got a couple items. I've brought these out before, so if you've seen these before, that's okay. Uh, But I think it helps illustrate at least what I think we're designed for in life. So (laughs) this first item that I'm going to bring on out this is something that my wife and I put on our gift registry when we were first engaged. Anyone know what this is? China. Ooh. 
Wow, right? So I don't think people register for China anymore. I think they learned that you don't need to. <laughs> but back in the day, it's like what you would do is that you would go to the store and like you're walking through with your mom, your mother, future mother-in-law, and they're like, oh, pick out your China. This is it. You're making a lifelong commitment to some dinnerware you'll never use, you know? So choose wisely. And so we did. We chose our, our, our China. I got to be like so careful with this. And so you get your china and you register for it and you get all these pieces given to you and then you buy a china cabinet to display your china. Our china cabinet has lights inside. It's all on display. And it, I, we've been married, I think, 23 years and these, these pieces of china have been used less than probably 23 times. Why? Because it's china. That's why you don't touch it. You just look at it. You would never dare eat from it. It would never go in the dishwasher. You like have to wash it, polish it, put it back in the china cabinet. Don't even look at it when you walk by. It's china. And that's how it, I, I'm afraid though, this is kind of what has happened to so many people in their spiritual lives. It's like we, we've, we think that the epitome of becoming a, a spiritual mature adult is the more head knowledge I have, the more, the wiser I look, the holier I look, the more I look, the more I got look, but I get no use. I'm not, I'm not useful. See, Jesus didn't say, hey, go look really good as Christ followers. He said, go and make, go reproduce, go be used by me for kingdom purposes, for my glory, that you wouldn't be a glory hog and take it for yourself. You'd say anything that good came out of me was him doing it anyhow. But I'm not just on display on some china cabinet saying, look at how holy I look. We're designed to be spiritual parents, not spiritual adults. If I could pull out, oh Lord, be careful. Don't, just don't breathe near it, Okay. Here's my other. So this is my, my wife's <laughs> granddaddy's shirt, okay? So granddaddy, and we all call him granddaddy. He passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he always wore these. It was like his, it's his jean shirt, but it's, it's got the, the flannel liner. It's warm. He was a Navy guy. He lived in central Illinois, retired as like from the oil refinery. And this is like classic Cecil right here. The, the top collar is totally frayed. There's a hole right down here in the middle of it. It's still got oil stains on it. And, uh, and one of the things I love about this shirt is like this is classic Cecil. This is him. He, every day he was out working in the shop. He would out be, out be welding, fixing a tractor, something like that. And, uh, and this shirt, though, was probably worn, I mean, it was worn by him to the end, you know, till, till it's totally frayed. But here's the deal. When, when someone designed this, they designed it to be eaten off of, and when someone designed this, they designed it to be worn. This one's never been eaten off of, but this one has been well-worn. And I wonder how many of us are going to come to the end of our days and we're going to come before our Heavenly Father and we're going to look like this. And he's going to say, but you should have looked like this. Like, you, there should be some worn out holes. There should be some tatters. Like, 
I'm not saying that you need to make it to, your, to the end of your life and you're tattered and torn because you've been misused and you've been abused. No, you've been used for his purposes and for his glory. That we would be able to say, like in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Timothy says this. He says, for I'm, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I think we're supposed to look a little bit more like this. This is what a life lived that says, I've fought the good fight. Now, more now, but I've kept the faith. Maybe we'd be people who don't just, oh, man, go through life and either stall out as spiritual infants or grow to maturity but never be used. But may we be people who, who recognize at the end of our life, if we've lived it well and we've poured everything out for him, we probably will have invested in more people and in others. And you realize that your life is more about him and others than you ever thought. And that's how you spend your life, pouring out for him and for others and helping raise others up. Why don't you guys stand here with me? Let's close in prayer. All right, we're gonna just, uh, I'm gonna ask you to just repeat a prayer after me, okay? It's gonna be the shortest prayer we've ever prayed. Here it is. Why don't you close your eyes with me? If you repeat after me, God help me. God help me to grow up to be like Jesus. Amen. 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 God help us grow up to be like Jesus, right? That would be a sweet thing. If you need prayer, we've got prayer partners right back here. Prayer partners online. If you want to give, you can give online. You can give in the back as well. Otherwise, be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.